Welcome to Coping with Ghosting, the show that provides hope, healing, and understanding for anyone who has been ghosted. I'm your host, Greta, and today I'm diving into the topic of how not to ghost in dating and romantic relationships. My guest is Dr. Josh Mirmelli, who's a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in West Los Angeles. He has worked in the fields of mental health and addiction for over a decade, and he has an affinity for working with members of the LGBTQIA community. I discovered Dr. Josh on Instagram, and if you don't already, I encourage you to follow him at Therapy with Dr. Josh because each one of his posts are like healing pieces of art that marry creativity with knowledge. Dr. Josh, I am honored to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Good morning. That was such a beautiful and flattering intro. I really appreciate that. And it's so good to be here. And I'm just so impressed with the work that you're doing and drawing attention to ghosting. You know, you mentioned finding me on Instagram. Unfortunately, people are finding a lot of ghosting on Instagram and social media, too. So it is ironically a channel for connection and unhealthy disconnection. So what a what a breeding ground for so many wonderful and not so wonderful things. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. It's a double-edged sword. That's for sure. Indeed, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So I have some questions for you today you know, ghosting is so common. And I wonder how can people not ghost in different phases of a relationship? So for example, Mm -hmm. if we're on a dating app chat with someone and realize, you know, we're not interested in that person, would it be better to say goodbye instead of vanishing or unmatching? So short answer, yes. And, you know, one of the things I want to say is that oftentimes myself included, when people think about ghosting and the harsh negative impacts, they tend to focus on the person who's being ghosted rather than the ghost themselves. And in terms of negative outcomes from a mental health standpoint, I look at ghosting as being sort of equally hazardous for different reasons from both sides. So for the the ghost, the person who is doing the ghosting, it really hijacks their ability to feel a sense of mastery over setting limits, creating boundaries, and exerting their wants and needs. It's also avoidance. So it tends to amplify anxiety, which reinforces the need to run away from conflict or confrontation, right? So I think in general, I would say unless there are specific reasons such as safety concerns or fear or some type of threat, it's really beneficial for not only the person being ghosted, but the ghosts themselves to ultimately have some clarity and closure, regardless of the stage. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's really good to hear. And that validates what I was thinking as well, which is that, you know, just common courtesy, it's just Mm -hmm. (laughs) healthier to say goodbye if it's safe to do so. Exactly. I I couldn't agree with you more. And look, I think depending on the developmental stage of the relationship, 
it may or may not be appropriate or necessary to dive into, you know, an explanation, simply saying, you know, I appreciate reaching out. I don't think that we're a match. Um, wishing you the best of luck out there is more than appropriate. Yeah, that's something I think people could easily say on a dating app. And yes. well, what if they've gone on a few dates with the person, maybe like one to five dates? At that point, do you owe a little bit more of an explanation to say that you're not interested anymore? Yes, I, I believe that the most damaging element of ghosting for the person who's being ghosted is that it interferes with our ability to access closure. And when we are experiencing rejection, particularly rejection without explanation, interestingly, the same pain pathways in the brain are being activated as when we experience physical injury. So it's really, really hazardous for our neurology and having some type of explanation, even though it can be harsh and not fun to say or hear ultimately creates the ability to heal. Yeah. So you're doing it for yourself and for the other person. This is really the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. So let's say I've been in a relationship for three months or even a year. And just in general, how should somebody ideally go about cutting off a relationship that's a little more intense or intimate? Well, look, what I encourage folks to do is to develop a greater sense of mastery over tolerating confrontation and conflict. So in an ideal world, there will have been some indication along the way I tend to like reserving surprises for Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV, and Amazon Prime, right? So we don't want tremendous surprises. And I I tell people all the time, I prefer reading Vogue over Vague, right? We don't want a sense of vagueness throughout and then a sudden slam dunk of, you know, clarity that can be quite brazen and hurtful. So hopefully the individual's been transparent and clear surrounding some of their concerns along the way. However, we sometimes receive very acute indications of red flags and they can come at later stages in the relationship. And I think in those moments being very honest and transparent and also not you know, again, sugarcoating or lying, you know, if it's not about me, I'm not going to say it's about me, right? Sometimes it is just not a match, or sometimes there are things the other person was doing that were injurious or really, you know, unappealing to the other party. Mm -hmm. So it can be helpful to say that. And again, we don't have to launch into, you know, an avalanche of explanation, but some clarity and precision can be very healing and empowering long-term for both parties. Do you have any tips specifically on how to deliver a painful message? So, you know, I've heard about I statements. Is that something Mm -hmm. that you would recommend? Absolutely. And, you know, really use 
using language that is sincere, that is not misleading. So frequently what I see happen is people will attempt to limit their anxiety by setting things up. You know, hey, I let's meet on Saturday. I want to talk for a couple minutes before. That creates a tremendous amount of anxiety for both parties, interestingly. And it can also be very misleading. So, you know, even saying I have some things that are going to be difficult to discuss, but I want to meet with you as soon as you can to let you know what's coming up for me, right? And again, ideally, there's a face-to-face interaction. Of course, if there's a reason why that's not feasible or comfortable, phone or text message is suffice. And look, if there's any sense of real danger, certainly abuse, or any real red flags, then that is an appropriate time to, I wouldn't even call it ghosting at that point. I would say withdrawing with a very clear protective boundary, right? And sometimes people will not respond to anything other than a complete cutoff, right? So ideally we want to say, look, I have to distance myself and create space. Please don't reach out again. If they continue to violate that boundary, then at that point, sometimes a withdrawal is necessary. But in that case, I wouldn't call it a ghosting. I would call it not feeling safe to be transparent in setting an explicit boundary. Thank you so much for clarifying the difference. I think listeners are really going to get a lot of value from that because unfortunately, so often that is the case. And yes, I do think it is just self-care and self-preservation at that point. So absolutely. So you had mentioned that talking to people in real life is, you know, it's the ideal way if we're in going back to that one to five date phase or even just yeah, that one to five date phase, it's okay to text goodbye or should we do a phone call instead? You know, I think understandably people get, myself included, a little too fixated on the logistics of how to communicate, which ultimately inter- the message, which ultimately interferes with setting the message up, sending the message at all. Having a level of communication that's developmentally appropriate given the stage of the relationship makes the most sense. So if there's been like two casual dates and, you know, no real exchange of emotional, physical, or or other types of intimacy, you know, it wouldn't make sense to have a transcribed letter of 14 pages and, you (laughs) know, reading it with, uh, you know, a song in the background. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if there's been a real bond that was created by both parties, maybe, and someone realizes, you know, this is just not the best fit for me for whatever reason, what they're going through, signs they've seen in the other person. I think having a face-to-face encounter makes the most sense, Mm -hmm. assuming that no safety uh, measures are being, or uh, your boundaries are being violated. Mm -hmm. Great. And Well, we kind of touched on this one, but people often ghost because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. They think ghosting is the nicer thing to do. Can you explain why saying goodbye is better than ghosting? Because I feel like you did explain it already. But I'm happy to say it again because I think it's important. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I think the real reason is twofold. 
from the perspective of the ghost, it hijacks our ability to feel a sense of closure. We become a little bit unclear about what it is that we're looking for, what it is that we're not looking for. And we also project our inability to be clear and transparent onto other people. So in other words, we're less inclined to feel a sense of safety or trustworthiness from other people. So it can be hazardous from that regard. And of course, avoidance promotes ongoing anxiety. From the perspective of the person who might be ghosted, having a goodbye really allows a sense of closure and healing, right? It might be very painful in the moment, but a lack of closure which is associated with real harsh rejection can create, again, these neural pathways in the brain that signal the same types of cues as physical injury. There was actually a study to suggest that when we're rejected, taking the same types of over-the-counter medications that treat physical injury or pain soothe that sense of emotional upheaval and rejection. So I'm certainly not suggesting that if you feel rejected to pop in a leave, but it, it definitely does drive home the point that it's really tied to our pain receptors, a lack of closure. So I think it allows for healing and growth and clarity. I agree. It is good to hear that said again and again, because it's just so easy to disappear, right? It's so yes. easy. And this is such an em- epidemic, right? Or pandemic or whatever. It's yes. just a huge problem. All of those things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that we can't repeat that enough. You know, what I hear all the time in reference to dating apps is that, well, there's so many people, there's so many different apps. You know, sometimes I'm matching with the same people on different apps, like it just doesn't feel necessary to actually say I'm not interested. I think the reason that there are so many dating apps and the reason that we need to be on six dating apps to meet someone is because of these types of avoidance injuries, right? Both for ourselves and for other people. We continue to sort of stir the soup of lack of clarity, And so creating a real, sometimes painful, but honest disclosure that, again, is developmentally appropriate for how long you've been talking to somebody about why you may not be interested is really, really healing. And it creates less of this anonymity factor, right, where we feel like, well, I'm talking to a screen, not a person. That's so true. I'm sure yeah. everyone is just like nodding along like I am just saying, yep, that resonates. And, and by the way, we've all done it. We've all ghosted and we've all been, you know, sort of survivors of mm-hmm. ghosting. And I think it's an inherently human impulse. And it often does stem from a benevolent place, not wanting to cause injury. But I think where things get a little bit crisscrossed in terms of intention are around these types of dynamics where we feel like, well, we don't really know them or we've only had one conversation. So it's not really necessary. We then lose trust in the words that other people tell us initially. And we become more avoidant of all the things that we really want, like connection and intimacy and healthy risk-taking 
So true. Well, just to wrap this up, I wonder, is there anything else you want to let listeners know about ghosting in general? Yes. You know, I think building a stronger muscle for being able to tolerate discomfort and the discomfort of confrontation, the discomfort of conflict, the discomfort of rejection even, are all core ingredients necessary for healthy intimacy and conflict. And the truth of the matter is, is if we find ourselves in a position with someone who is ill-equipped at expressing things that might be hurtful or conflict-laden, we don't want to be in a relationship with them anyhow, because conflict and conflict resolution are the building blocks to intimacy and trust and connection. So those are really important indicators that we're probably better off finding a different partner. Yes. Right? Yes, I agree. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Your wisdom has been just so helpful and healing. And can you please remind listeners how they can connect with you? Absolutely. And thank you again so much, Greta, for having me on the show and doing the incredible work that you do and really highlighting an issue that I think has made sort of mental health buzz cut, but that people don't really know enough about. To learn more about me, you're welcome to find me on Instagram at therapy with Dr. Josh. That's therapy with D-R-J-O-S-H. You can also go to my website at therapywithdrjosh.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you again, truly. And listeners, be sure to remember when you're ghosted, you have more time to connect with yourself and those who truly appreciate you and you deserve the best. Yes. I have one last friendly reminder. Please connect with me at Coping with Ghosting on Instagram, Facebook, or at copingwithghosting.com, where you can download my free guide that has five ways to soothe your heart and mind after being ghosted. Also, please keep in mind that this podcast is not a substitute for professional mental help. Okay, stay strong, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah.